there are a lot of industries that could use these descriptors to really identify what they're going through right now. Uh, burnout, low pay, staffing crisis. Uh, but we're going to hone in on one that I think gets overlooked a, a lot of the time. And that is the association that represents uh, the disabled members of our community. Uh, we're talking right now to Alberta Disability Workers Association spokesman Dale Cena to learn a little bit more about what it is that these workers do and what they're currently faced with. Dale, good morning. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, hi. Good morning, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. So I I want to just clarify before we get into uh, the, the situation that's been really difficult for uh, for this group of employees, what it is that this organization does, the Alberta Disability Workers Association. Can you sort of define on a day-to-day basis what it is that your organization does for disabled members of our community? Yeah, so um, the Alberta Disability Workers Association um, is, is a umbrella of a workforce for the disability workers um, across Alberta. Um, we also do have another movement as well that has created ground um, for this um, uh, awareness, which is the Alberta Disability Awareness in Action, also known as ADEA. Um, so they're both kind of together uh, working for the same message to um, ensure quality of care for our most vulnerable is being provided each and every day. I would think, Dale, that if there's a group of workers that are really taken for granted and sort of overlooked, it, it might be this one. I mean, those people that are helping the disabled community do things like go to doctor's appointments, uh, maybe uh, somehow enter the, the job force in some way or uh, understand money, things like that. I, I mean, there must be a, a profound amount of work that needs to be done that, you know, maybe the general public just doesn't really see. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, you know, every individual who receives care um, is um, programmed to the like we we tailor the structure for those individuals needs. So, you know, that can be money management that can be um, taking them to the doctor's appointments, um, you know, um, therapeutic rapport. Like it it can be a a different. Uh, multiple things of of care for the individual who we support. Um, and not only um, are we working with individuals with disabilities, but we also have folks um, that are complex needs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that really shocked me as well, is that disability workers are responsible for any transportation you with, for that individual with your worker's own vehicle. And you pay out of pocket for your own gas, which is unbelievable yes. to me. You're not compensated for that. No, we are not compensated for that. Um, and so that's where we see the struggle is the workforce is seeing because of inflation has increased drastically, um, you know, with gas prices hiking up, um, also insurance rates hiking up. Uh, workers are responsible to transport their individuals in care to and from their day programs and are responsible to pay out of their own pocket um, to work. So, I mean, let's talk about staff retention a little bit, Dale, because I think that, you know, this would be something that would be very rewarding, but also very difficult. So what does that look like in terms of turnover? Well, okay, so a key part of the solution is compensation that reflects the skills. Uh, required by the workforce and so community disability service providers have not seen um, funding uh, to increase wages since 2014. So if you can imagine that was when um, Allison, Premier Allison Redford was in power eight years ago 
And, you know, this valuable and already underpaid workforce has fallen further behind um, in the last eight years, and recruitment and retention issues are now at a crisis point with a turnover rate of 37%. Wow. Yeah. So what Uh, what we're seeing, oh, sorry, Chelsea. No, please go ahead. (laughs) What we're seeing is um, that, that, that revolving door now, um, and that's where hand, it comes hand in hand where the care, welfare, safety and security for the individuals who we support, um, we're, we're seeing those individuals, Alberta's most vulnerable, isolating now because they don't know who's coming in tomorrow um, and they're losing their favourite staff, which is really disheartening to see because workers are leaving because eighteen seventy six an hour is not enough to make uh, ends meet well, and anymore. That, that's the thing. I mean, it makes me wonder about the position then that these uh, these people that are disabled and don't really have a whole lot of options except for to depend on workers to represent them and care for them. What does that, what does that leave them with? I mean, it must be ex- extremely disheartening and, and maybe dangerous in some cases. Absolutely. It can be um, for, mo- for most uh, vulnerable citizens across Alberta. You know, Alberta's most vulnerable should be treated with dignity and respect. And this awareness and movement that we've started eight months ago, the essential but forgotten, um, um, will help ensure quality of care continues across our province. So, okay, let's let's just play devil's advocate here, because ahead of this interview, we did receive uh, a note from the Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services, Jeremy Nixon, from his office. Uh, And he makes a statement, Dale, and I want you to to comment on it. He says, Alberta's government recognizes the vital role that disability workers play in in caring for some of our province's most vulnerable individuals. That is especially made clear in the mandate letter I received from Premier Danielle Smith. Her passion and care for the disability sector is creating strong opportunities for change, and I am proud to represent our government throughout this process. What do you say to that? Does that feel representative of the situation as it stands? Well, our workers are passionate about what we do, and we're so proud to serve our community. And we want the government to know that eight years of not receiving any kind of funding um, is just simply not okay. And we, we're hopeful for the message that Daniel Smith has provided um, to the new minister at the helm, Jeremy Nixon. Um, but we need to start seeing some sort of action now. Um, you know, inflation isn't going anywhere and the, the crisis is, you know, um, the crisis is here and the most vulnerable are the ones that are going to be suffering from this. So you're asking for, for resources. Are you asking for funding? Yes. So we're asking for funding um, just to because uh, an average disability worker does make about eighteen seventy six an hour. Um, and so providing that funding and providing that funding will ensure um, that staff retention piece. Um, just so you know, Chelsea, as well, there's folks that are coming from the disability studies programs across Alberta who are wanting to pursue a career in this field and um, they're coming to complete their practicum within eight organizations and they're not pursuing any further because they see that $18.76 sign and going, this is not for me. How am I to make a living wage? And so I I fear what the future is going to hold for our sector if nothing is done immediately. And I mean, this collective is, is pretty substantial. I mean, you represent 15,000 disability workers. So this is a pretty large group of people. It is. And, you know, our movement, um, Alberta Disability Awareness and Action Movement, um, has about 13,000 supporters um, in hopes action will happen um, and the government will start to listen to our concerns. Um, and, I, and I encourage all listeners this morning to please visit our petition online, The Essential But Forgotten, and join our heartfelt cause.
Dale, you've been doing this for about 15 years. What, yes. what yes. keeps you what keeps you doing this? I mean, obviously for the last eight, it's it's remained stagnant in terms of pay. And it sounds like it can be quite thankless at times. But what keeps you going? Well, 15 years, um, it's a very rewarding job um, in hope. You know, it's, it's about passion. We're passion. I'm passionate about the work I do. And um, I know that each and every day I'm making a difference for those um, who we support. And I will continue to do that as long as I can, but I'm starting to feel that struggle as well with, um, you know, cost of living going up and not making ends meet with my bills, which is really disheartening to hear, but I'm hopeful that change will happen. But I, I, my drive is about passion (laughs) and I, I just, I love those who we support. Yeah, I think it would have to obviously come from, you know, just just your heart driving you more than anything else. It's certainly not coming from, from any terms of compensation. Dale, I'm just curious, before I let you go, is there a certain number that is represent a number of people that are represented by one disability worker, or is it sort of a case-by-case issue? Like in your case, how many people are you caring for? Well, um, for like, um, I'm 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 from the Calgary Scope Society, so we're an organization who has over I think 86 individuals in care. Um, so it all it's all case by case for each worker, um, and again, um, each individual receives different prog- uh, structures for programs. So they can re- receive two to one supports, or they can receive one to one supports. It all ranges across the province and the specifics of their needs. Well, obviously, it's not an easy job, and Dale, no. uh, thank you for, for doing it. What an incredible uh, line of work that you do, and hopefully more people are drawn into it with a little bit more government attention on it. You are absolutely essential. We really appreciate the conversation this morning. Thank you, Chelsea, for your time, and thank you for all the listeners. Take, Take care. care. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.